Good morning, Joy Church. Good to be with you guys today. Hey, everybody, wave at me. Good to see you guys today. Man, what a great time in the presence of God today. Wasn't that awesome in worship? I love it. Man, I just feel like God is up to something, and he's not explaining everything to us, but he's doing something really powerful here, and I, I don't ever want to miss it. There's something subversively good about being at church every Sunday and rejecting all of the identity divisions and racial divisions and economic divisions and problems in society and coming together as God's people and saying we are a family and we're under the blood of Jesus and we're here to worship the living God and and our, our presence here with the presence of God is a declaration to the world that good has come and something better is on the way even from what is here now come on yeah so excited to be here with you guys worshiping and I don't know about you but I can feel an anointing when the ducks win on Saturday come on it's like when the Ducks are victorious over, over the enemy. How many of you were at game day on, uh, out there? I know Rick and Shirley were there. Come on, true fans. You guys were there. Awesome. And even the Beavers won. You know what I mean? You know, that's awesome. Go Beavs, right? It doesn't get as loud of a cheer. I mean, you know, the only thing that we were missing is the Huskies didn't lose. So that's the only other thing that we were missing out on. But uh, for me, you know, I think you've really arrived at true... I mean, I don't want to say it's like spiritual maturity, but I wouldn't also not say that, that you want the Ducks to win, you want the Beavers to win, you want the Huskies to lose, and you also want the Trojans to lose, USC, under Satan's command. Anyways, um, but maybe you're not there yet. There's still work of the Holy Spirit in your life that needs to be developed. You guys, today, all joking aside, we, we have a, well, at least some of the joking aside, but we, we have a wonderful opportunity to hear from not only my natural parents, Pastor Steve and Kim Schmelzer, but they're also the spiritual parents of our entire Joy Church movement. And uh, my parents were not only excellent parents for me uh, and my siblings. They did a better job with me than my siblings, but, you know, we'll leave that up for a debate. But, um, no, I got spanked the most. That's the issue, right, is the most development. Uh, but but, but um, my parents are the, the spiritual parents of our movement, and they, they went to uh, Medford in 1982, uh, 40 years ago, if you can believe it, and, and planted Joy Church Medford and have pastored with joy and integrity and longevity and a lot of fun, a lot of food. I'm, this is my Italian mom that I talk about that makes the pasta come on somebody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, uh, but just what, a, what an incredible thing to have that, that integrity and longevity in ministry. And they're getting ready to pass over the reins to Joy Medford to my sister Natalie and her husband Riley uh, here in March. So I know, uh, I don't know if we're all invited, but some, if you're nice, you're invited. If you bring presents and, and you like Italian food, I don't know what we're doing, but there's a, a, a party in March, uh, the, the night service there at Joy Medford. And so we're celebrating them. But today we have a great honor to hear from them. First service was incredible. It was excellent. And I can't wait to hear it again on the, on the area of parenting uh, and raising up godly children and being being a straight bow as a parent so you can shoot straight arrows as kids. Uh, Bethany and I were like, dang, that was a good statement that dad made in first service. Um, this is such a, such a near and dear thing to their heart, a near and dear thing for us, that we want to be a, a place that's known as a place where not just the, the little kids, but even adult and grown children and on to grandkids, that for generations we serve the Lord and we walk with the Lord. And there's that righteousness and that blessing and heritage there. And so they're going to impart to us, we're in this series called Relatable, we're talking about restoring the sacredness of relationships. Sacred means related to God, you know, connected to God. And we believe that our human relationships are sacred to, to us and sacred to the Lord, and they're so important. And so they're going to speak into the parental relationship today. So could you give them a big round of applause as they come? Excited to have them. 
Awesome. How many moms out there know that your your kids are always your kids? They grow up and they're still your babies. And uh, so Jake's still my baby. Well, he's a grown one. <clears throat> so good to be with you guys. If you don't know it, we love Joy Eugene and Joy Church Eugene, and uh, we pray for you from Medford and uh, are just excited to see the growth and the just we were talking in between services, just the vibrancy, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we know you guys are a gift to this city. And so we just say yay and amen and are so excited. This uh, subject of family, specifically relationships with children, <clears throat> is one that for Steve and I is probably one of our life messages, something that's super, a very strong passion for us. And so we always, when we're getting ready to speak on family, we talk to each other and say, okay, be careful, whoa, because we can just kind of go crazy on it. But we're going to try to give you the best of our heart in uh, 27 minutes and 43 seconds. So <clears throat> it'll be awesome. But uh, Jake talked about pasta. Pasta was a big part. If you're going to be a great parent, food is a big part of that. So maybe pasta isn't your ethnicity. Maybe you make pierogies or something like that. But food was a big part of our family table and, and just that sense of, of unity and family and building a life. And, you know, speaking into this, I want to say right from the beginning that I know that this, when we speak on raising children and family, there's different emotions that that can bring up. Sometimes there's pain because maybe you have estranged relationships. Maybe you have prodigal children. Maybe you're in the throes of raising a two-year-old and you're not sure if you're going to keep them alive uh, or not. Uh, I know my daughter Natalie, they just had their third baby, and Riley and Nat will tell us, you know what, it's a good day when they're fed, they're clothed, and they're alive. And so I go, yes and amen. But um, we just want to tell you that this message we're giving you, it's a message of life, and it's, not, it's, it's a, a message of, of God's vision for your family. And how many know that when we have God's vision, that's the best arrow or best uh, target that we can head toward as we're raising those godly arrows? And that we're all imperfect, and we're all in the process, but what, what are we doing? We're working to bring to God what he desires, which is that next generation of 100% on fire for God's children that love him passionately and are accomplishing what he created them to accomplish. Is that, is that an amen? And so wherever you are on this journey, we want to encourage you in that. And I want to start with reading a passage from Scripture from Psalms 127 and Psalms 128. <clears throat> These were part of the Psalms of Ascent. And they were psalms that they would sing or, or quote as they were going up to the temple for a feast and to worship God. And what that tells me is that this area of family and having a godly family was something that, like in, on our hearts, it was on the Jewish people's hearts. And they wanted to have God's, God's vision and God's heart. And I want you to hear it because it's very different than our society's view of family and children. But I think it's so beautiful. Psalms 127 says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries is no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift. Everybody say gift. Children are a gift from the Lord. <clears throat> they are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's bow. How joyful is the man who has a quiver full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers in the gate. And it just goes on in the next chapter. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. 
how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful garden in your home, a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. And may Israel have peace. May you have peace. Can we all say amen? What a picture. That's God's heart for our family. Blessing, fruitfulness, peace, joy. The answering of the prayers that we have for those arrows to be those strong, uh, beautiful, straight arrows. And they're an inheritance for us. Former President Herbert Hoover said this, children are our most valuable resource. That's powerful. And I really believe that, that the children that God gives us, you know, when God created man and woman and he told them to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. And the one thing that he really wanted from them was those godly offspring that for generations would bring his kingdom to earth, for generations would find fulfillment in serving him. And that's our heart. You know, Jesus modeled this so beautifully in Mark 10, 16. It says that Jesus took the children in his arms. I love this picture. And he blessed them. God is passionate about the next generation. And Steve is going to talk to us right now for a few minutes about two families and kind of the picture, the, the, the choice that we have even in raising our kids. And let me say this in prefacing it is, prefacing this. When you hold your children, whether they're natural or spiritual children, whether they're adopted, whether they're foster children and you're working to raise them, you have a divine stewardship. Pastor Jake said it's a sacred responsibility, and it is a sacred responsibility. I don't think there's really a higher uh, call on earth than to be a, a mom or a dad, natural and spiritual, and to do that in a way that, that is going to have a great inheritance for you and that's going to affect the earth. And so Steve's going to talk about one of the choices that we have to make in a tale of two families. <clears throat> All right. Well, I always have to try to be funny before I you know, lower the boom. And uh, <laughs> in first service, Kim was talking about, Jake had mentioned how much uh, Kim loves to cook, and, and uh, she's Italian. I used to be German, but after 400 pounds of pasta, I'm Italian. Italian. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, I had a heart event. Uh, how many of you have had heart events re replete with uh, uh, you know, uh, stents and cool stuff, you know. And, and I'm, I'm all glad for that, and I, I've decided I'm going to live till I die. And uh, <laughs> so we had met with the, this uh, doctor, Seventh-day Adventist guy, and, you know, Seventh-day Adventists are like the, the, the most healthy Christians in the world, but you can't eat anything. <laughs> Just get used to carrots and celery sticks if you're going to take their diets. So anyway, uh, the doctor says, you know, we're not going to be able to have meat sauce and pasta and all that. And so we're driving home, and Kim's crying. I said, what, what, uh, what's the trouble? She said, I'm really going to miss you. And uh, <laughs> so I realized that I needed to adapt, and, and I'm being sustained by faith. And... Uh, we're still eating our pasta and having the uh, Bolognese sauce and all the good stuff. And you are invited for when uh, they uh, allow us to go. I understand they're going to let me keep my, my, my watch I have on. And uh, 
<laughs> and, and I get to come to church still at, in Medford. Anyway, we're having a great time. Uh, just looking at, at how full this room is already, uh, I think that you're facing an existential crisis coming up, and that is uh, learning to share, because a lot more of Eugene and this Springfield and this county and other counties are going to be coming. Um, you, you, you are life-giving. The worship was vibrant. I could feel the river of God as we're worshiping. And uh, those are good things to make us healthy. Uh, we need the church more than ever. People are hurting. Don't you dare believe the lie that people won't come to church. They'll come if you ask them. They'll come immediately if you take them to lunch. <laughs> and so uh, I know that so many of you have that evangelistic, warm, welcoming heart. And uh, let's just go crazy. We'll do it in, in Medford and Grants Pass. And we just planted a joy church in uh, Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, Kim and I and uh, Johnny are flying to Nigeria next Sunday and uh, welcoming Joy Church Lagos. And, uh, and then also, too, uh, we're looking for starting a Joy Church in Salem and uh, soon a Joy Church coming to you. Uh, <laughs> we may start one in your living room. I hope you come and attend. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, the Bible is, is a book of contrast. And, and so I really believe that, you know, like AI, artificial intelligence, uh, computers use binary, which is basically on, off, or yes, no. And I thought that in terms of mathematics and communication and serial transmission, modems, modulating, demodulating, and all the computer science, really the closest that science has come to perfect language is binary, on, off, on, off. And so all that you get on your iPad or your device, it's all coming as a series of yes, no, yes, no, yes, no's. And, 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 and that's how God works. And so you'll, you'll read things in the Bible like when Moses gets everyone up in two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, Mount of Cursing, Mount of Blessing, and he said, listen, I set before you life and death, choose life that you may live. And you wonder, that seems a little redundant. But I found out that God has to be redundant because we can be very sheepish, very sheep-like in nature. Sheep aren't the most cunning of animals. And, 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 and so God has to keep telling us, choose life that you may live. And yet we find out that we're battling that sin nature always, that gravitational pull to get lazy on our uh, watchfulness about the sin nature. And so even with believers, sometimes someone will come in and they say, I've been getting ensnared with, you know, I was an alcoholic and I've been closet drinking. And it's like, no, not ever, never. You don't need to drink at all. I, you know, because things come in and they snare you. And it's not always the giant things that really take you down. It's the incremental growth of small things, the small foxes that spoil the vine. Now today we're going to be looking at two Old Testament families, one whose lineage goes on and includes us, and one that was a rejected household. And yet when we look at the differences, ostensibly there was a tiny difference at the start between the two households. The households that we're going to be dealing with are, is the household of Abraham and the household 
of Eli. That was the high priest during the time when, when Samuel uh, was born, and then he spent time in the house of Eli, and the house ended in disaster. We're going to read that. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 through 19, it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may, what's the next word? Command. Command. Wow, because when I read it, sometimes I, I, I mix it up with like suggest, whine, manipulate, complain. But command has a very strong leadership component to it. In, in my world, I like to either lead or be led. What drives me as a human mad is when you go into a, an environment and there's chaos because no one knows who's in charge. And generally, I just declare like Alexander Haig, I grab the pulpit and say, I believe I'm in charge here until someone else comes in. We need leadership. God said that Abraham's ability, and he declares, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. For what reason? For God had known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now, I, I ponder what would have happened if Abraham had said, you know, God, you, you have a godlike nature. Uh, you have a God syndrome, God. You, you told me to leave, you know, my home from Haran to come to a land. And, 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 and I've been a sojourner here. And, you know, you keep uh, putting all these little requirements as commands to me, including the trials of Abraham ratcheted up till his greatest trial was in later years. When the promised son, he was told, go and sacrifice the promised son, Isaac. So it isn't that the walk of the faithful people of God gets easier. Man, I'll put in three years of Christianity, it's going to be easy. No, your deepest requirements may come later in your life. The key is get used to choose life that you may live. Because not only is your prophetic destiny tied to your yes or your prophetic wasteland tied to your no, it's important to get used to saying, yes, I serve at the king's command. Yes, I am a child of Abraham. Galatians 3 says that through Jesus Christ, I am offspring of, of, of Abraham and I'm heir of his covenant. And the covenant that was told Abraham, Abraham, I'm making covenant with you and your children. And through your children, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I lifted my hands in prayer. And I said, God, I want to take that Abrahamic promise through Jesus Christ. That the same thing is offered to me. 
Oh God, may everything I think, everything I do, the way I lead my children, the things I permit them to do, oh God, I want a thousand generations of hard marching, God loving, demon destroying, stronghold taking, Holy Ghost leaping, whatever uh, <laughs> joy Eugene is, that's what we're believing for. Come on now, I'm ready to preach. I finally woke up. What's your last name? Yell it out. You know what? God wants to make that same deal with you. Because you're in Jesus. There's a lot of funky teaching about Jesus out there. You'd think that we were all kinds of different gods. But the God of the Bible is a covenant keeper. Amen. And when he says that through, through, through Jesus, you have the Abrahamic covenant, what does that mean? That when you individually obey the Lord and watch this command your children. It's not popular. You know, I've had Christians tell me, well, I'm going to try to model the good life. And I, you know, I'm just going to believe that when, when all the other gods are flashed before them, they'll choose Jesus, not me. I'm tearing down the altars. I'm doing a Gideon on the false things. I'm not giving my 12-year-old daughter a cell phone so she can go to the mall and have, have pedophiles and people stalk her. There's no reason for her to be in the mall all alone. So why do I need to give her a cell phone so suddenly some kid can start sending naked pictures of himself? There's a lot of craziness that we're allowing in, in Christian families. Yeah. And what we don't realize is someone needs to rise up and say, someone here's got an attitude. Someone here believes in Jehovah God. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah. Oh my, did he have meat for breakfast? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Winston came up here and they were, it's, it's the wildlife safari preaching to us. I'm telling you, I am trying to be nice. Because my heart breaks. There's no reason for sex trafficking in the United States of America. And the other household is, a, is, is, is an ugly, I, I would use the word tragedy, but it was planned destruction. Let me just say this. You're either planning to obey God and, 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 and create straight arrows because you're, you're an accurate bow. When, 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 when guys that I've met that, that, that fashion their own straight bows, you know, they not only put care into the arrow, but they put care into the bow. Let me tell you something. I feel like it's important and it's incumbent for Kim and I to be a, a bow that can shoot straight arrows. And let me tell you something. There's a day when I can slack off, and that's when you see me in a box. Until then, I'm at risk. I've got to be vigilant against our enemy. I've got to be able to speak life and challenge and sometimes get really angry and kick over tables when stupidity is being exalted. How many of you know it's time for people of holiness, men and women, to arise and stop being so sweet? Well, I, the, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, right? We, offend them into we don't offend them into hell. I would rather be an offensive person that, that causes some people to hate my guts and others to get saved and love me than to be basically like boneless chicken laying in the yard with no opinion. 
Okay. Okay, so I know my wife is interceding. What, what she's praying is not that you get it, but that I, that I get what the time is. Okay. House of Eli. Eli was the high priest. Eli used to tell his boys, you know, boys, you're in sin. They were sleeping with women at, 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 at the, at the, at the uh, place, the, the temple or the, uh, the tabernacle type thing they had at the time. They were reaching in with uh, meat hooks and taking the choice meats before they were offered to the Lord. They were profaning the holiness of God. And I want you to hear the Lord's opinion about his house. See, get, get something true. Your house is not your crib. It's not your pad. It's not your ogar. It's not whatever you want to call the place you live. Your house are your people. The house of Jacob Schmelzer. The house of Mark Harpham. The house of John Gallinger. We have households. And we need to understand. Blowing it isn't just a matter of me blowing it or not blowing it. Me blowing it means generations can have the ripples right. of my blowing it. So I want to stay obedient to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Selah. Sometimes in church we need to just sit back and, oh my gosh, do you feel what I'm feeling? Do you feel the vibration in the room? Do, do you realize we're not trying to preach to Marion County right now? Do you realize that we're not concerned with Deschutes County? I'm talking to people I love in Lane County and Lynn, Lynn Benton. I'm talking about y'all. I'm talking about the city of Eugene. I'm talking about all the cultural excuses that you can do to become House of Eli. But you're going to have to understand, there comes a time, think about the ramifications of what God said to Eli, your family sucks. And, and the only difference was the difference between being a suggester and a commander. Well, you know, Pastor Steve, I've been telling these kids for years, I've been telling them, no, no. Read the two prophets. Read Ezra and read Nehemiah. There was sin. There was intermarriage with the heathen. And, and Ezra, he wept, ah, ripped his clothes. I relate to Nehemiah. He ripped their clothes. You're the sinner. Rip. Someone has to find a way. You've, you've got to jump on them, all you young guys and girls here. If you can't get ahead of the sin train when you're holding that baby in your arms, I mean, you, you control all of the atmosphere. 
You, you, you don't have to listen to, you know, a rave or, you know, uh, nasty uh, uh, rap, you know. You can have godly music playing in your house. You, you, you have educational opportunities if you feel that, that, that the school opportunity that you have is not good. Hello, there, is, there are so many tools to be able to educate your own kids. Control the atmosphere. Amen. Well, pastor, that just takes a lot of time. Really. Yeah. And having your house cursed takes a lot of time, too. If you look at the history of Israel, for over 2,000 years, there have been blindness on the house of Judah and Israel. That meant for over 2,000 years since the time of Jesus, Jesus said, he said, I am speaking in parables so that these people who have rejected consistently, though hearing they will not hear, lest they be saved. I want to tell you something. There's no way in the world I want to sacrifice anything because under me, I want a thousand generations of righteous. And under Jake, a thousand years of righteousness. Under Natalie, a thousand. I want every smells. I want everybody in the joy world. Everybody needs to start making a thousand generation covenant. And then getting an attitude. I can't change the world, but I can look at myself in the mirror. And when stupid, crazy things are going through my mind, and they do, every person, male and female, created he them. Every one of us that are not Jesus Christ, we face temptations. And there's something about team play. I look in the mirror, and I've had many, many times where I might have even talked to myself in non-Christian language, saying, pull it together, Schmelz. Lay your life down. You're not playing for yourself. Your decisions aren't just affecting you. Just think of all the eyes that look up to me. I just can't imagine looking at my beautiful wife's brown eyes and telling her why I thought it was smart to get involved sexually with Betty Lou down at the office. Huh? We need to ponder sin. Don't hide from it or you'll be caught in it. Look at it and then just count the consequences. And look at this and hear this. Please listen. Command your children. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of a madhouse now. Work at it. Yeah. Ask God for help. Give some energy to it. And God will help you if you are, are just saying, you know, Pastor, I think I'm more of the house of Eli than house of Abraham. God will give you mercy. That's Kim, right. take on. Amen. Yeah, so good. We don't have a lot of time left. I want to give you just a few points. But just if you catch the heart, right? You know, we can all read child-raising books, and we know some of the things to do. I'm going to give you kind of a 60-second rattle-off of a few. But I just want to encourage you, man, catch the heart. <clears throat> what is God's vision for your family? What's God's vision for your kids? Here's just a few things that matter. Words matter. God's words over your children are honor and heritage, blessing. They're arrows. They're not throwaways. They're, they have so much value. And so as you speak over your children, as you raise your children, make sure that the words you speak, the words you're thinking about your children are matching with God's purpose matters. As Steve said, we're those bows, that the arrows that, that our life has to be formed. You know, there was, I was looking up an old poem that said, basically, children learn what you live. 
They learn by your example. They learn by your speech. They're following our example. And so in our relationship with them, as we're building and loving them and forming them, we want to make sure that we're, we're living it, that we're living that, that Abraham-like life. And, and our planning matters. You know, one of the things, if you've heard Steve and I speak on family for any, for any amount of time, you always hear us talk about that we raised our children the same with the same values and the same heart and energy, but we raised them different because we were looking at them, trying to look at them through God's eyes and seeing that prophetic pattern, that plan for their life. And so each one, and as you look at your children, your natural children, your maybe adopted children, maybe they're, you know, maybe your children are even away from God. You can pray that prophetic prayer over them and say, God, this is what you call them to be. This is the person you formed them to be. And as you pray and as you wait on God, you see God begin to do that. But when you have your children in your home, you're praying and you're saying, God, what is their manner of life? Are they called into education? Are they called into art, more art? What are they called into? Are they, are they, do I have a young lawyer being built? Do I have a doctor? Do I have a pastor? And as you pray for that, you parent accordingly, and that relationship is established that way. And what happens? You're nurturing them. You're tending them. You're guarding them. You're, you're nourishing them, and you're knowing them prophetically. And what's the result? You're going to have that blessed home. You're going to have that Abrahamic covenant that is over your children, and you're watching them in, in that beautiful way. So here's some takeaways, and we're going to pray for you. What is your view of children? You know, as Steve has talked about, it's a good thing. Evaluate. Am I seeing my family through the eyes of Abraham, or am I, am I living that suggesting life? I don't think anybody starts out and says, whoa, I want an Eli family. No, we all want that Abrahamic family, but it's a choice. It's a decision. And, and that's a, the plan that we're waiting on God. Which family do you want, Abraham or Eli? God's family, God's plan for your family is Psalms 127 and 128 that we opened with. He wants to build your house. Are you ready to invest in your children? Are you ready to see the blessing and favor of God on your children? We want to pray uh, just the ironic benediction over you as Pastor Jake gets ready to come because we want to speak that blessing over your relationship with your children. And uh, I, just, I just really felt as we were, we were preparing that God wants those of you that have prodigal children to lift your head high, cry out to God, God's bringing them home. I, I, I want you to know that God's bringing them home. And I've watched it time after time after time. We had a miracle in our church just a, a week or two ago of a child that had been estranged from their parents for years, and it seemed hopeless. And all of a sudden, that text comes through. Mom, Dad, I didn't know what to say. And the beginning of, of healing. And I just want to speak that over you. This is, a, this is a time God said he was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. And that's the, that's the time we're in. So we're going to pray. Do you want to pray that benediction? really mean it. Uh, I heard a testimony of a family here in church. Uh, a gentleman uh, said, hey, we had a prodigal come home this last week. And, and trust me, when, when our kids that are prodigals come home, they oftentimes come home really beat up, uh, really not fully seeing the truth yet because sin and, 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 and all that uh, brings deception with it. Okay. God had one son, Adam, he fell. So don't beat yourself up if you've had prodigals, whatever. But we're just talking about house of Eli, house of Abraham. Get yourself in a spot where some really great things can happen, and God will help you. So the ironic benediction from Numbers chapter 6, 22 and following, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron 
and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. We believe if a witch stood up here and said, I'm going to curse you, we'd go, ooh. We'd think there'd be power. But when someone says, God says, I want to bless you, I want to tell you by this, we're imparting a blessing through the Holy Spirit on you, on your family. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, if I could hug everyone in this room, I, I would. Because I feel your hug. Lord, we're in a serious battle for ourselves, our own soul, and the souls of our children, our babies. Oh, God, how you long for your babies that are destroyed. We intercede for our nation. We intercede for our city. Homeless people and drug-addicted people on the streets are your babies. And I pray, oh God, you'd continue to grow your family. And I pray, Lord, that even in this house, there would be an explosion of men and women that said, we are offspring of Abraham through Jesus Christ, Galatians 3, and we're heirs of all that promise. And you want to make that same covenantal declaration of victory and prosperity over my life as you did Abraham. Lord, let revelation spring in this place. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you. Give him a hand. So good. You know, I love hearing my mom and dad uh, share. You know, I, I, w- I think what we'll do with the media team is we'll have the first service made available too so you can hear more from mom because dad took a little bit more time in second service. <laughs> and mom had some practical stuff in first. So we have both. So we got both. But um, one of the things I love about my dad, and you can hear, I want you to catch the heart because you hear passion. And you might even think, that dude has had too much red meat. He seems kind of angry. It's not that. It's that his root drive is love and righteousness and wanting to see our families win. And there's something, about, uh, there's something about being willing to take it to the mattresses, to fight for something that you love and you care about. And one of the things I love about my dad and the reason I am the man that I am today is I wasn't raised by a wuss. I was raised by a man that I watched multiple times jump out of a car to defend people getting beaten in the street. So here's the pastor of the church, just got done preaching, and he jumps out one time out of a moving suburban, and my mom had to jump over and put the brakes on at a Kenny Rogers Roasters because he saw some thug beating up an older gentleman. And my dad ran over and he screamed, you don't want him, you want me. (laughs) Yeah. Some of you men just grew chest hair when I told that story. (laughs) And we're not glorifying fighting. He didn't throw any punches. He didn't have to. Why? Because he didn't need to, because there was a defense of, of innocence, a defense of the vulnerable, defense of weakness. And the spirit of what he's saying is that in 
Christian families, you'll have a man and a woman loving each other ferociously, fiercely, dedicated to, to you know, being a married couple, loving each other, putting that priority of your marriage there, that you're going you're gonna to ferociously love Jesus, and you're going to ferociously, with passion, love your kids, and you're not going to be a pushover with them and say, whatever the world, quesera, sera, whatever the world brings, you know, whatever the cell phone can bring over the internet is okay for my kids. Hell No. And I'm not saying that to curse and be controversial. I'm saying no, hell, hell, no. We don't, we're not going to let anything go in our family. We don't just watch anything because it tickles our fancy. We don't just listen to anything. And it's not because we're legalists or something, you know. We're not. We, we love art. We love music. We love the beauty of what God does. God doesn't have to put his name on every rock for him to have made it. We listen to secular music. It's not like we're living in a commune somewhere in the hills of Springfield or, or something. But the, but the thing is that what, what I look at in the world is that those two, the tale of two families is about looking at fruit. And if somebody brings you over to their house and they say, hey, we have this beautiful, fresh, crisp, you know, pink lady apple, or you can have this rotten, worm-eaten, nasty one, you get to pick. And I want to pick the good fruit. And what I look at is that men and women of God, like my parents who have been not just pastoring a church and living a life of integrity for 40 plus years, but also raising a godly family. You, you know, if you know Bethany and I, are we perfect? No. Are we perfect parents? No. But we love Jesus. We have our head screwed on at least a little bit straight. I mean, it gets screwed up. It's not my parents' fault. It's my fault if it's screwed up a little bit. My, my sister... My brothers, they love Jesus, you know. Again, it's not putting, like, oh, our family's perfect. Not at all. We've had a lot of pain, a lot of different things, and a lot of battles to fight even in our own personal walk of freedom with the Lord. But the fruit is good. And so when I hear a message like that, I say, man, I want that fruit. Because I've seen a lot of really nice pastors and preachers get up on stage with nice gold watches and usually gold teeth. And, you know, and they're just, everything's so sweet and nice and Everything's really, the, the bedside manner is really nice and, and, and they give you this, this message that makes you feel nice and then their kids don't serve the Lord because there is like that house of Eli thing going. And the beauty of us getting to hear from our spiritual father and mother today at Joy Church is you can hear the heart of what creates real life, real authenticity, real integrity. It's not wussiness. It's not fake Christianity. It's real. And, and it embraces even the mess of life and says, we're going to fight for what God has for our families. That's what we want in our families. Amen? Amen. So, man, what a, what a great time. Uh, we'll put both of those messages up so you can, you can find the one that, that you want to hear there. And uh, <laughs> mom had some really, really great stuff that she said in first service on, on nourish and nurture and know and I'd love us to hear that so team can we get that available online we'll make both of them available we have the technology praise the Lord uh, and uh, what we're going to do today is if you'd bow your head and close your eyes real quick this is last but certainly not least in our service today as we conclude um, we want to give you anybody that's here that wants to make a decision to follow Jesus an opportunity to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ you know like I said, we're not perfect people. You can meet any of our staff, any of our joy group leaders. Every one of us will say, man, we are not perfect. Uh, but we, what we are is we belong to Jesus Christ and he's transformed us from the inside out. And I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I found. I've met Jesus and my life has changed. And today you have an opportunity to begin a journey of following Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was walking around the Lake of Galilee. I'm sure in some cool Birkenstocks. And he was calling ordinary 
men and women to follow him. And that same call and that same command comes to you today. Follow me. Come and follow me. Lay down your life. Jesus said, take up your cross. You got to die to yourself. You got to, you got to let go of, of what you're, what you've been serving, your own agenda and serving the, the agenda of Satan in your life and say, you know what? I choose Christ. I believe that he died on the cross, that God raised him from the dead. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, when you cry out and you say, God, save me, scripture says that he does. And you can start that journey. You can begin that journey of following Jesus. You can be saved today. This is a great time to do that. And so if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jake, I am ready to make that decision. I want to I want to commit my life to Christ. Would you just raise your hand today where I can see? Thank you so much. That's awesome. 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 People all over the room. That's so cool. Awesome. I want to follow Jesus, Pastor Jake. And look, if you're not ready and you have questions, come and talk to me after service. You don't have to hide from this. God's not scared of your doubts. He's not scared of your questions. We'll talk about why I believe and why I am a Christian. It's not because I was raised as a Christian. God doesn't have any grandkids. He just has kids. I made a decision to follow Jesus because it is truth, because I've met him. He's changed my life. And so I'd love to share with you if you have questions. But for those that raise their hands, so cool. We're going to all pray this prayer of faith with you today together. And we're going to give you a next step in just a few minutes, okay? So let's pray this prayer together. Everybody repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all the good and all the bad. I thank you for your grace and mercy. Revealed to me at the cross, where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with God. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Stephen Kim. They were my pastors growing up. They've known me forever, so it's an honor to have them here. Um, but anyways, today, if you made that decision to follow Jesus, to take that first step with him, um, I encourage you to fill out the yellow card in the backseat pocket in front of you. Or if you're watching online or here, you can also text the phone number on the screen if that's better for you. But why do we do this? You know, we want to get a hold of you and say, hey, let's let's help you take this next step in your walk with the Lord. You know, it's not meant to be walked alone. This journey is meant to be walked with others. We need help. We need people to guide us along the way. No matter how long you've been a Christian, we need help. We always need somebody to say, hey, what's your next step? So fill out that card or text the phone number because we would love to get in contact with you and help you take that next step. Well, we're going to be receiving our tithes and offering here in just a moment so you can begin getting your gift ready. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray over the offering. Lord, I thank you so much for everything you're doing in and through Joy Church. We just ask that uh, all of the funds, the money that comes in today throughout the week, that, Lord, we're just going to see amazing things happen through the church, in the city, and through the nations. God, we thank you so much for everything you're doing through and in Joy Church, Lord. We just pray you continue to bless it in your name. Amen. Awesome. Well, the ushers are going to go ahead and pass the bucket. You can drop your gift in there or the yellow card in uh, that you filled out. Awesome. Well, we have a few really exciting announcements all happening within the next week, so make sure you listen up. First of all, tonight we have our upper room service. This is our one-hour prayer and worship service. This is 
a power-packed time, you guys. You do not want to miss this. If you've never been, don't miss it tonight. It's tonight at 6 o'clock from 6 to 7. There's some child care provided. There'll, there'll be more details on the slide in a moment. Um, make sure to come to this. If you're feeling low, if you're feeling full, doesn't matter. Be here tonight at 6 o'clock. Also, as you guys know, we are in a series on relationships. And there will be an opportunity in a few weeks to answer some of your questions that you may have regarding relationships, whether it's with your, your spouse, with your parents, with your children, whatever it may be, you can text the phone number up on the screen and in a few weeks they will be answering any uh, questions that come in. So make sure to take a picture or save this number in your phone, text those questions and they will be answering that pretty soon. And next week, next Sunday, October 30th is our Candy Palooza event. This is such a fun time. All of the kiddos hear me when I say kids dress up. No adults. Don't come in your costume as much as you want to dress up. Your kids can come in their costumes. Um, we would love to have you here. Make sure you invite your neighbors, invite your family, invite your friends. We would love to have you guys all here. We're going to bless the kids with tons of candy. And you know, if you have a baby like me, then I get blessed with their candy. So there's still time though. If you want to bless the kids with some candy, there's a bin out in the back where you can drop off candy. You can do it throughout the week. Um, you'll see it out there. It has a sign on it. So you can still bring in some candy for them, but that is next week. Also, lastly, in just about 10 seconds, there will be another announcement video with just some more details for you, so make sure to stay tuned. If this is your first time, make sure to fill out the white card in the back seat pocket in front of you. Take it to the uh, next table out there, and they want to give you a free gift to say thank you for coming. All right, that is all. We will see you guys tonight at Upper Room or next week at 9 or 11. Have a great week.